Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. I am extremely excited today because of our guest. I know her through Nancy McDermott. I know her through Facebook. I know that she's one of the busiest women in the pandemic of anyone I've ever met. And her name is Adrienne Lipscomb. Did I say that right, Adrian? Yes, you did. Oh, I'm so shocked. <laughs> now, if you don't know Adrian, she is the chef owner of the Uptown Cafe and Bakery in La Crosse, Wisconsin. One of the reasons Facebook is so wonderful, Adrian, is I feel like I get to taste some of your pastries in your creations from your photographs. And having been a food stylist for almost 35 years, I'm picky. And yet when I see your photographs, I think to myself, that looks so luscious, I can't stand it. So welcome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, it's an honor to be here, an honor to talk to you. The reason I was so excited to have Adrian on as a guest, I had read about Adrian in the Huffington Post. I've, there have been several articles, and Adrian had the idea, and I want her to tell the story, but Adrian put up a GoFundMe account to buy some land to create more farmland for Black farmers, and it's gone crazy. Girlfriend, you've done it. <laughs> Aren't you amazed by your, I mean, I, you have to start at the beginning and tell us exactly what it says. It's inspirational. It makes me feel good about something in the world right now. And we're looking for good news, Adrian, and you're bringing it. So please tell us all how you, how this came to be. Oh, well, yeah, it, it happened fast. I can tell you that much. What it started out with was uh, really an IG live. I was watching one and a chef, a female chef, a black female chef on there brought up a particular issue or a phenomenon that was happening is that she was receiving money through her Venmo account from strangers. I love and, it. And, and it was white females were sending her money and they were just saying, I want to support what you're doing. And the way that they thought they could do it was monetary. And she said she didn't know how to accept that money. Like, should she accept it or what for? And her ask was, is, should I accept it? For me, I kind of laughed it off. I didn't think anything more of it um, until the next day when I went to work and there was an envelope in my mail and it was addressed to me and it was a check and it had a little note in there and it just said, keep dancing. And it had a little Snoopy on it. And I was like, did I have a catering thing I missed or why am I supposed to be dancing for this money? I couldn't figure out what it was for. So I kind of put it to the side, you know, out of, out of sight, out of mind. The next day I uh, received a message from a peer who owns a restaurant saying she wanted my Venmo account because she wanted to send me money for all, I guess, the emotional information I was giving via Facebook. And I was like, kind of distraught a little bit. Like, why, why are people giving me money? Especially, you know, it was white females were giving me money. And I didn't know what to do with that. So I went to bed at 7.15. That's probably the earliest I've ever been. Kind of shut down. And I woke up the next morning and I realized, oh my God, I'm going to buy land. I just, it just came to me. It just was like, I'm going to buy land and I am going to farm it and I'm going to buy black land. I just said to myself, black land, and I want to preserve black agriculture and tradition. And 
has this ever been done before? Or, you know, what about black food ways? How, how can we preserve this legacy? So that was at 6.53 a.m. I started calling on my friends on the East Coast because I was like, hey, everybody has to be awake over there and started <laughs> talking to them. Like, have you ever heard of this concept? Is there any, any support out there for this? Do you think that this could happen? And my friends were like, yeah, I think this really could be something. I said, okay, well, I'm going to do it. And by five o'clock that evening, I had already set up a Facebook. I set up the Instagram. I set up the GoFundMe and I set up a website and I said, let's launch this. Let's see if anybody is listening. If anybody feels the same way or can understand how much there was a need when you started looking at black farmers and the and the statistics and the census information for it you started seeing that there was less than two percent of black farmers in the nation and that is crazy in the morning and you're brilliant i know i'm a firm believer in a good night's sleep and so you set up these accounts and what happened next your problems can get solved either with a brownie or a good night's sleep is usually my idea I ate a brownie right before I came on. So, <laughs> you know, much. <laughs> a brownie and some tea. So, I'm a little hyped up on sugar. But the next day, it just kind of took off. And I just started seeing my posts being reshared. I started seeing the GoFundMe pick up, and questions started coming in, and I would answer them. I started sharing more information about Black agriculture and the history and how much Black agriculture and Black farmers have kind of laid the foundation of work that we do in the United States. And so I just started looking up a lot of the history, speaking about it, trying to understand how many farmers are even in my area. So, you know, so being a restaurant owner and we're farm to table, um, we work with a lot of farmers, but it's very homogeneous. I don't have any black farmers near me. I already knew that was going to be a great assumption. I knew that there were going to be any farmers near me. But when you look at the state of Wisconsin, where I'm at, there's not that many. There's like a handful. So, but they're not close. So how can I help support our future, our black people that want to be farmers, but also preserve the legacy of black farmers that are existing. There's a high percentage that are over the age of 65. And how are their traditions and legacies going to be maintained? How are we going to remember how they decided to do their transition into farming or how do they plant? We don't even know. We don't have this information. And could I create such of a sanctuary to which this information could be archived and held on to? And during the time of COVID, all farmers are having issues right now. And so when you look at COVID as being an issue where you see our food chain supply is breaking at this point, and it has been really fragile to begin with, and then you think about the black farmer and their struggle, COVID's not the first struggle that they're looking at. They're looking at how do they keep their land? Um, how do they sell their products if they can sell their products? And then then it's probably COVID. You know, you have race and racism, and then COVID's probably like one of their last thoughts in mind. So how can we help them uh, preserve their legacy and make sure that they're still able to maintain and obtain their farms? Adrian, I just love it. I feel like as a white woman that I have been tripping over racism in my society all my life. 
I'm from the 60s. I worked in a Head Start program in a very impoverished area that had every color of children. The Black Panthers worked in my Head Start program. And people were so frightened of the Panthers. And then I kept saying, and my mother kept saying, is it safe, dear? And my poor mother, who was just a little bit out of it, you know, she was a little more concerned about matching drapes and carpet. Okay, we're not all revolutionaries. But I'd say, mother, all I see is the Black Panthers are trying to feed their children. And that was, and they had a creed. And if you read it now, it's still the same thing what we're supposed to be doing. So I went through that time. Then life takes you in different directions. And then there was the women's movement and there was a, you know, equal rights amendment. And then there's been an abortion on the table. I mean, Jesus Christ, every day, you know, there's something... But I feel like what I'm praying for, Adrian, is I feel like this time Black Lives Matter is really taking root because the white people are realizing they have to make the changes, okay? We're the ones with the racism. If we can confront our own crap and also the history of the inequalities, then maybe we can make some changes. We have, we have to, we have to, Adrian. We cannot survive and the planet gets smaller and smaller and we need farmers more and more, but we need there to be a lot of things that have been wrong corrected. If anyone hasn't watched the 13th Amendment on Netflix or the PBS on Reconstruction, it's a direct line of the problems we have today. That's what it is. It's such a direct, it's a clear line to where we stumbled and didn't make, didn't make things right to where we are today. It's not, it's not brain surgery to see the line. So when I was reading the article about you and it was talking about the heirs, H-E-I-R-S, that if people died without a will, then their land didn't go to their family. So that was another way for the city, the whoever was in charge to grab that land. Okay. Well, we know from years ago, people didn't have wills. That's correct. Their family was on the land. They were the farmers on the land. I'm sure when they died, one, they might not have known they were going to die, but two, they assumed their land would go to their children. And then through probably some sort of corruption and greed, somebody stole that land. It happens. It still happens today. It's really interesting that when you look at Black land ownership and you take it, well, look, you know, take it all the way back. Let's take it back to 1619 when you... Look at it back then, as a black person, we were not bought here as equals. We were no. bought here as objects to work. That's right. And fill the land. So when uh, Lincoln and the Emancipation and the Proclamation came out, and even when you look at uh, General Sherman and the 40 acres, uh, the Special Field Order 15, when we were released, we were given nothing. We had no identity. We were just told you are free. I mean, there's episodes and shows where you see that Black people just followed Sherman and followed the troops because they had nowhere to go, but they thought they were going to freedom. And also, if you haven't been free and someone says, here's your freedom, you've been on a plantation where you worked. Some things were taken care of. How do you know how to do that? Right. You don't. Everyone's in the same boat. How do you know how to do this? 
Well, it's like, how, you know, what's your identity? What yes. do you know how to do? You, you, you're either, so you're like the second generation going, second or third generation going in. You don't know how to go home because you don't know what your home was. Your home is where you were born and most likely it was on that plantation or you were sold. You don't, you may have lost your family. Your family might have been sold. So, you know, you had no identity, but one of the things that you did know was the land. And so when the 40 acres and the mule came out, that was because of Sherman meeting with black leadership who were all in church and they and he asked him the third question he asked is what do you want and one of them stood up and said land that's how we knew we were going to create community and how you can take care of your family right it creates community it creates entrepreneurship it creates business it creates a town it creates you create your family and and he gave it to them he gave them 40 acres and really a mule <laughs> from the war they got a mule and what you saw happen was after abraham lincoln got assassinated and johnson stepped in office he was a southerner he was a he was a vp southerner he had sympathy on on slave owners and, and, and Southern slave owners and slave masters. He gave them their land back. Yeah. So he reverted it. I did not know until this time. You know, you, I say this to my husband sometimes in the past months in our um, conversations. I, I did not know that Johnson, the vice president or Abraham Lincoln was, he was a drunken, nasty old man. Okay. This was not a good human being. This was not a good politician. This was a whole lot of trouble. Right. So, but I didn't know that, you know, you just, I guess probably because in our textbooks, the assassination of Lincoln happened, that gets 20 pages and then we don't hear the rest. Okay. And then we pick up somewhere else. He was a son of a bitch. That's, you know, he was just a <laughs> son of a bitch. I can say that. We don't have a sponsor. We can say, I can say whatever I like. Yeah. But then you're exactly correct. The, the problem is, and I say this in today, Adrian, it's not your point being about they knew land, they knew farming. When I've spoken at women, at women's groups, and women are more my, more my age, we're a generation, you know, a generation older than you. My generation as women, we all wanted, we burned our bras. We wanted to be on the Supreme Court. We wanted everything. But you know what? We weren't raised to know how to do that either. And, you know, I, I would, I'd say women would sometimes, when I get emails from writing business books saying, Denise, I'm not good at negotiating or anything. I said, because you weren't even taught that. You have to learn. This is enough. You have to know how to do this. I know for me, Adrian, and thank God this has passed. I was supposed to marry well. Okay. My mother used to say, marry well, marry well. And she meant if I married someone with a good career and some money, then I would be taken care of. Now, the fly in the ointment to something like that is I did marry well my first time and my husband was the laziest son of a bitch in the whole world. Okay, so That did me no good whatsoever. Talk about the dream came crashing down. So after that happened, I learned that I had to take care of myself. Do you know what I mean? And I would have to always take care of myself regardless of what I'm in. So I sure understand how if we are not raised with certain things, how can we possibly know them? Right. I also think what's thrilling about your project is, which has been so much with farm to table and all of this, my family was Italian, Adrian, so we always had a garden. We always had the rabbits in the hutch. We all, you know what I mean? We had a small area in Sonoma that my grandfather grew grapes. 
that we just sold other people. But we, even in San Francisco in an apartment house, we had a backyard where we grew our own potatoes and radishes and everything. Well, I knew what that took to get that food. Do you know what I mean? And then my father owned grocery stores. So there was a real appreciation that you don't waste food. And the difference between what food tastes like when it's taken that day out of the garden, not everyone can have this luxury, but when you eat lettuce that's just been picked to the lettuce that's been sitting in your grocery store for one month and the ends trimmed. There's a difference. There's a difference. Huge difference. Huge difference. So, and and with your plan, I mean, I and I, one of the pictures that was on the Huffington Post, and I think I have the title here, if people want to look it up, it's called, This Chef is Buying Land to Help Black Farmers Preserve Their Foodways. Adrian, it's fantastic. And there could be, it could be with more land, and you were saying a sanctuary, then there's a whole teaching element to it that children from schools and from cities that may not know this could come. Yeah, and we're talking, you know, you're talking just kids, we're talking chefs. We're like, absolutely chefs learning, you know, where their food comes from. We're talking about farmers understanding and learning what we're doing to their food. I think it's just, there's a whole closing the gap and closing the circle of understanding what our food does for us. And there's that whole term farm to table. It's so niche and it's like, it's so elite that, I mean, we just need to get over it. We need to realize that our food comes from a farm, be it commercial farm or be a small farmer. Our food does come from a farm. If you, and I think that one of the great things I see, well, we, I live in Ventura now for years. We, I lived right I lived in the flatlands of Beverly Hills, Adrian, okay? And what that meant was crowded and busy and lots of cars, you know, and, but it was easy for me to get to studios so that that was a good thing for my business. But my husband and I moved to Ventura. Well, Ventura is a farming community. I mean, this is where the strawberries in California, it's a green belt here. We've got flowers and strawberries and oranges. Sunkist is here, lemon groves. So I can go to the farmer's market on Saturday and get really food that's just been picked. Do you know what I mean? Now, the difference in the flavor is one thing. The length of time that food can, you can hang on to it and stuff is just amazing. And yet we're only one hour from a bit the big, one of the biggest cities in the world. Okay. So I know it can be done, Adrian. I know your dream can be done. Yeah. I'm so, so proud of you. And the picture of you feeding the chickens, or I think it's, is the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And here's something else I have to say, which is why you're, you inspire me. I have people that are listening. Adrian has four children. Okay. And runs a cafe restaurant. So don't tell me it can't be done. Now she is young and strong and has lots of drive. But Adrian, that is, it's huge, okay? It's a huge commitment you're making, but I just, I, I want to support you and I want to help you and I'm thrilled for you because I know you can do it. And you have to do it. Now that you had the idea and you've gotten some money from people and you realize that there's a whole bunch of people that want to see this come to fruition, you have to do it. Yeah, and we're working our way to do it, you know, and a lot of it is, talk about preparation, planning, connecting. Um, You know, a large question is, is have you found the land? And for us is like, we know the land exists, but how do we make sure that this is a sustainable project? We've had um, some, some major donors or who I think are major donors that are in the food world and they see it as 
something that is sustainable. They see the gap in the food chain supply issue. They see the gap of the diversity issue and they want to make sure that this project is successful. So not just putting money down, but also wanting to do mentorship and talk to me and work with me on a regular basis to make sure that I'm okay, to that this this part of the business and, and this organization is okay and how and what the, can they do to help because They've been in these steps before. They started somewhere. They started as a co-op. They started as a small company. They understand that there's hurdles and things that we have to go through and they want to make sure that we are successful. To me, that makes me so humble and uh, and makes me know that I'm doing things right uh, because we really want this to work and we can't just go in buying land thinking that we're going to plant something in the ground and it's just going to work right it just it just doesn't happen that way we understand that even if we purchase land today we're not going to plant today you know um we had to start you know i was very romantic of the thinking of the idea and the romanticizing of buying 40 acres it has come to me and thought like could the 40 acres be broken up and be across the United States? Can this make a bigger impact? You know, um, when you start looking at black farmers, they're located in the South. They're not in the Midwest where I am. You know, what does that look like? I am just fortunate to be in the organic Valley area. So, um, I have a large, um, we have probably like, it's not California. So we're probably like the second um, landmass owner of organic farms here in this wow. area. So we, you know, having an organic farm and doing no harm to land is like number one, but does it make sense that 40 acres is here? Or does it make sense that if the opportunity comes up to have more than one location? Um, so those are things that I think about on a regular basis. And what do those connections mean? How do we make sure that we're a stronghold connector for Black farmers? Uh, working with different farming organizations too and talking to them and having a position with them, but also creating a safe haven for farmers because, you know, Black farmers were not treated very well. They were never treated well from the beginning. Um, there's plenty of massacres that happened, violence that happened not to just them, but to their family that were stories that are not even being told anymore because people stopped talking about it because the violence would happen to them. So you have this history in this landmark of generations and we're not talking like five generations we're talking two generations ago people who have died because they wanted policies and they wanted equal rights in farming these are things that we definitely need to remember and we need to solve and when you look at some of these asks of, I mean, even in the 60s and even in the 50s and the 40s the asks that they wanted for policy and equity it still exists today. This is what they're still asking for. Some of the same damn things today. Damn things, Adrian. And I think that's what is, now to me, it has shaken me to my core that our government has not only been corrupt, but has, has purposely not changed anything. It makes me kind of sick to my stomach if I get into it. And what makes me really angry, and I, the more I learn, which is important, because the more you learn and you have to get angry, or I don't think change is going to happen. But my father was extremely proud of being in World War II and coming back alive and extremely grateful. And then I found out from reading about it that after World War II, the black GIs didn't get GI loans. 
I had to go down the rabbit hole and read about it. Do you know what I mean? I kept saying to my husband and he said, okay, simmer down. I'm not sure what we can do about it right now, but you got to simmer down girl and put that energy somewhere else. But I mean, that there is an example of only two generations back or 50 years ago, 50 years ago that a GI, a black GI came back after fighting in World War II and wasn't granted the, the same economic hand up to buy a house. Come on, come on. Right. So right. everything you're saying, I think that we have not been aware of it. I think the best we can hope for, Adrian, is making these dramatic changes by being vocal about them and telling the truth and being vocal and still protecting ourselves. I certainly is protecting anyone that's involved. My darling, I can't thank you enough. I got one note, one note from Cindy in the middle of it saying, Denise, stop talking. So I hope that I didn't talk too much. And, and that, and she'll edit some of it out. But you know, I'm guilty of that. But I'm so grateful you came on today. Okay. And if people want to reach Adrienne, as I said, all her information is going to be in the show notes. Um, I certainly know this, Adrienne. If I'm anywhere near Wisconsin, I'm taking a detour <laughs> to your place because I see the food that you turn out. Oh, my God. And I just thank you so much. And you, you just have to keep up the good fight, girl, because you've been chosen for this. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I really, I really am going to keep up the good work. And, you know, and for me, it's creating the space, like it's time for us to create this space. Um, and the community is asking for it. So, so <laughs> they're asking for it and they're helping me do it. I cannot do it alone. So I, I thank the community for all this help to get and where if I people to want to donate Adrian because I know you're still collecting donations for your land and you will be for a long time I'm sure where do people go to donate yeah sure the um, GoFundMe if you even just search 40 acres in the mule project you will find it um, there's some people that don't want to donate towards GoFundMe they reach out to me and they you know they've sent checks to the restaurant to Uptown Cafe in La Crosse Wisconsin that has been done also too so you know we We've been receiving funds in many different ways through fundraising. Businesses were donating percentages of their sales to to us. You know, we have been just astounded and um, honored by the many ways that people have found creative ways to do donations. Thank you, Adrian. I hope I see you again sometime soon. Oh, yes. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you, ladies. Y'all have a great day. Bye.